Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. done a wonderful job. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The word says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall what? Direct your path. Amen. 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 Let me first say thank you to Pastor Preston in her absence for giving me this opportunity to preach the word of God. You never take that lightly when the people ask you to show up and say something for the Lord. Amen, amen. I thank my uh, lovely wife, Linda, who's always in support, who's always standing behind me. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, in this moment, in this time, and in this place, we say thank you. Thank you for waking us up. Thank you for being on God all night long. Thank you for providing a way when there was no way. So in this moment, Lord, hide me behind the cross so the people may see you and hear your word and go forth and be obedient, Father. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to preach the word. Let it go forth and let the whole world be blessed because of your word and because of who you are. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Folks, if we're honest, it's been a tough six months. In particular, ever since they shut down the school system on March 13th, things have been really tough. But to be honest with you, it's not the pandemic that's made it extremely tough. For me, it has been tough because of the murder of George Floyd. This happened on my brother's birthday, May 25th. And it started me on this road of reflection. And some of you who have friended me on Facebook know that I have expressed my anger, frustration, and disgust. But I'm not here to recap that. You can still read that online for yourself. 
I do, however, want to be a little more transparent about that post. I was angry. And to be honest with you, I was initially angry and furious with my white friends who sent me text messages about how sorry they were, how they did not know black people were treated this way. So why was I furious? Because I thought to myself, had I not been black enough, had they not seen me be the voice of students without a voice over the last 22 years? Literally my entire life, going back to elementary school, has been about sticking up for those who don't have a voice. My best friend in elementary school was a Jehovah Witness. And we were one of the few blacks in that class. And because of his religious beliefs, he didn't stand for the pledge and he didn't do several things that people thought were normal. He took a lot of abuse from both the teachers and our classmates. I didn't understand why they bullied him, but I decided that I would be his friend, which meant I would have to take some of that abuse as well. While I didn't understand at the time that it was bullying and I could not articulate what was happening, I knew the right thing was for me to be his friend when everyone else advised against it. After a lifetime of being the voice for students without a voice, how could my friends send me these messages that they didn't know? Had they not seen me? Had they not heard me? Had they not really known me after all these years? In other words, were they like the people of Judah in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, when it says, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but you do not understand. Keep on seeing, but you do not perceive. I just didn't believe that was true. However, I couldn't explain my anger. I'm just not an angry person by nature. A day before I made that Facebook post, a colleague and I met with some students virtually to, tr to try to provide some support and historical context for the George Floyd murder. The meeting with those students changed my whole perspective. In this meeting, some of the young black students were crying. I remember one young lady in particular that never stopped crying during the whole hour and 30 minutes. My heart was broken because of the pain I saw this young lady going through. I realized in that moment I was not furious with my white friends, I was furious with myself. The reality in that moment was I and we had not done enough to prevent this kind of pain. We are the adults. It is our absolute responsibility to protect our children. At the same time, I was reading Dr. Harold Briscoe's book, There's a Storm Coming, How American Church Can Lead Through a Time of Racial Crisis. In the first chapter of this book, Dr. Briscoe recalls the names of black men that had died during the Obama years. As I read those names, 
Trayvon Martin, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, Michael Brown. I could not remember or recall anything that I had done, no book that I had read, and no action that I had taken when those events took place. So my friends did not know what I was going through because I had not articulated and made it plain. So my anger was not about my friends, it was about me. So what did I do in that moment of realization? I do what all preachers do. I went to the Bible. Remind you, I'm still angry. I took my Bible with the purpose of finding some scriptures that I could whoop up on people with. I started in Amos chapter 5, verse 24. But let justice roll down like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. I even read the whole book of Amos, but I didn't find enough fire and people going to hell for me. The Lord finally said, I didn't tell you to read Amos. I didn't tell you to use my words to beat up on folks. He said, go back to where you started and read it again. For those that know my call to ministry, it starts in Isaiah chapter 6. I said, Lord, I know these verses. I don't think they're going to help. How arrogant of me. So the Lord gave me three points. Because he said, I don't want you to go and whoop up on people. I want you to get right with me. So I'm going to give you those same three points that the Lord gave me. Point number one, are you listening when God speaks? See, if you read in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, and I'm paraphrasing, the people were not listening. They were not trying to understand. Essentially, God is telling Isaiah, go tell the people of Judah what is going to happen to them. And they are definitely not going to listen because I, God, know their hearts. The people of Judah had closed their ears to the truth. They had turned their backs on God. If you go further back in chapter 1, verse 4, it says, a sinful nation of people laden with iniquity, all springs of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord, their God. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. If you go on down to verse number 10, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teachings of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Remember, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord, verse 11. I have had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of well-fed breasts. I do not delight in the, bull, in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Verse number 13. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure, says the Lord, this iniquity in assembly. 
your new moons and your feasts, your souls and your feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. This is the God of judgment talking here. We are uncomfortable, if we tell the truth, with the God of judgment. But that's not biblical. It's not a coincidence that we are in a pandemic, the western half of the nation is ablaze, and our hurricane season is out of control. All happening at the same time. God is speaking, and he's saying, according to 2 Chronicles verse 7, chapter 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will heal the land. If you go on back to Isaiah chapter 6, in that second part of verse number 10, it says, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and be healed. God is speaking, folks, possibly judging right now. The question for us in this moment, are we listening? Point number two, it's going to go quick. Do you understand what the Lord is asking of you? He's asking you to go tell the people to stop perverting justice, to stop oppressing the poor, to stop worshiping idols, to stop looking for others to help them in return to the Lord your God. As a social studies teacher, I encourage civic participation. There is no greater civic responsibility than going out to vote. However, a number of us, the people of God, have put our hopes and all our trust into our preferred candidate for the office of president. Here's some breaking news for you. Whether your preferred candidate wins or loses. Your fate is not determined by him. He cannot save you. He cannot prevent you from whatever the Lord has for you. Romans 8 and 28 says it this way. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. If you keep reading down there at verse 21, it says, what then shall we say on these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Your future, the nation's future, is not in the hands of politicians, folks. It rests in the hands of an everlasting God. God's people need to not only remember that, we need to start living like that. But if you go on back to Isaiah chapter 6, I love Isaiah's response to the Lord. He says, how long? Trying to get a full understanding. He says, how long do I have to deliver this tough message? I too have been asking the Lord, how long? How long must I live in a world that does not value me because you made my skin darker than others? How long must I endure being stopped by the police? 
because I'm a black man driving my wife's luxury SUV. How long must I bandage up black and brown children and send them out into the world to only be beat up again? How long must I watch black men and black women who look like me be murdered and no one held accountable? How long must I endure this, Lord? If you go to the Bible, in chapter 6 at verse number 11, the Lord told Isaiah, until the cities are destroyed, until the people are in exile. The Lord told me to tell you, we need to keep speaking this message as long as it takes to bring about change. He said, remember Galatians 6, chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And I like this last part, because we need this. And let us not, verse number nine, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. He said, don't stop there. Go on to John chapter 16, verse number 33. I I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. If you go to the King James Version, it says, be of good cheer. The Lord has not given us an easy assignment, but the battle is not ours. It's the Lord. We must understand that when the Lord is sending us into battle, the battle is already won. Time is not on the side of those who pervert justice, mistreat their poor, worship idols. Their time is up. Here's the last point the Lord gave for me. What are you willing to sacrifice for the Lord? When you're working for the Lord, there is some sacrifice involved. I'm not talking about those empty sacrifices that the Israelites were doing in Isaiah's time. You will have to sacrifice your pride. You will have to go and talk to people that don't want to talk to you. You will have to go and engage with people that don't value you. You may lose some friends in the process because they will call you radical. Lest we forget they thought Jesus was radical. The biggest thing that you will have to sacrifice are the weapons of this world. If you fight the enemy using the enemy's weapons, you will lose. The enemy fights with name-calling, lies, deceit, Humiliation. This is what Mrs. Obama meant when she said, when they go low, we go high. You stand up against evil using the fruits of the Spirit. 
The first fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, is love. And somebody says, well, that's counterintuitive. Love can change a whole lot. If you go on to Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, it says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you look at Mark chapter 12, verse 31 and, 30 and 31, and it says, I shall love the Lord your God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. The second is this. You shall love, watch this, your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The reality, folks, is our enemy and our neighbor are one and the same. You will not be able to change them by beating them up or humiliating them. You are going to have to love them to change their behavior. You're going to have to love yourself, the poor, those without a voice enough to speak up for them. And yes, you're going to have to love your neighbors enough to point out to them that their behavior is wrong. As we think about this, in the last year we have lost a lot of civil rights leaders. They have gone on to be with the Lord. They have served well. And what we've got to remember is they never demonized their enemies. They understood what the Lord was asking them to do. So when Congressman Lewis says, you need to get in good trouble, He's telling us we need to listen, understand, and sacrifice. The Lord is asking us today, who will go for us? What is your response? He's asking today, who will go for us? Some people mistake that as a call to ministry. Well, if you are on the Lord's team, everybody is in the ministry. So you need to ask yourself, what is your response to that question? Who will go for us? Praise team, come on. So if you're at home and you're listening to that question and you're thinking about who will go for us, if you not have accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, now is your opportunity. The prayer lines will be open right after this service. We will pray with you. We will help you get connected to a church. All you have to do is say that you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he can save your soul. Praise him.
Thank you again.